Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to talk about the spirit. We spoke about the body, we spoke about the mind, but now we're going to focus in on your spirit. And today I want, to, I want to speak to you from the subject, the resilient spirit, the resilient spirit. We know that there's a connection between our body and our mind and our spirit. Each affects the other and each needs to be healthy so you could be a wholly integrated person. This is the way God designed you. And I believe that the most important part of you is the eternal part of you, which is the spirit. From the Spirit flows everything else. And so today, we're going to take a look at how God will make our spirit strong and resilient. Let's begin in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7. Bible says this, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. The man became a living being from the breathing of God's spirit. I want to read uh, a couple verses to you. Uh, It's out of the book of John, John chapter 3. It's a story about a man named Nicodemus. I'm going to read it out of my own Bible. John chapter 3 says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? But Jesus answered, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the natural is natural, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus goes on to say, you must be born again. Today, I want to talk to you about spiritual and supernatural resilience. And I believe this, that God wants to make your spirit strong and resilient. God wants to gift you the capacity for great resiliency. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to come and speak. We want to hear your word, and we are ready for it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said... Amen. Amen. One of my favorite books, one of the, really one of the best books I've ever read in my life is the book Unbroken. It's about the story of uh, Louis Samperini. He was an Olympic runner, and he went to fight in World War II. And you may have seen the movie. You may have heard the story. It's an, an incredible feat of spirit and survival. His pr- plane crashed. He was adrift for 47 days in the Pacific Ocean, fending off shark attacks and strafing runs and, until he was eventually captured by Imperial Japan. And, and he endured horrific, horrific torture. And he went under, uh, underwent horrific things, singled out because of his status as a famous person. And, and, and uh, there's the famous time where he, was, he had to hold a log over his head, six feet, and he held it for 38 minutes. And if he dropped it, he would have died until he eventually passed out but survived. At the end of the war, he went and he found the office of the man that brutally beat him because he went to murder him, but he had already gone. So he came back to the States with murder in his heart and vengeance in his heart. And what is interesting is that his spirit persevered, but truly it did become broken. 
It did become fractured. He became obsessed with revenge and anger and hatred. Eventually, he suffered from such horrible PTSD and horrific nightmares that he, he became an alcoholic just to numb the pain. He lost all of the money that he had, and he was on the verge of divorce with his wife and, and, and his child, threatening to leave him when he, um, by the invitation of his wife, went to a Billy Graham crusade, the very first one in Los Angeles. And it was in that place that he received salvation. And what God began to do he did in his spirit. See, Louis, Louis he, 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 he survived and he persevered, but his spirit was still broken until the Holy Spirit came and healed him and made him whole. His life began to turn around. He started a camp for young men that were, that were wayward and, and uh, like himself, totally lost. And he dedicated his life to the gospel and raising young men in the power of the gospel, living to 97 years old, never once turning his back on the God that made his spirit resilient. I want you to hear me today. Jesus says that this world, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. For he has overcome the world. God came to give your spirit its resiliency back. To give its strength back. To give its health and its wholeness back. This is the purpose of Jesus' uh, ministry here on earth. To restore your spirit. So we have to begin with what the spirit is. You might be asking. What is the spirit? What exactly? Where do we find it in scripture? We begin as usual, in the book of Genesis, in, the, in, the, in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust. That's the body. See, the body was formed and yet wasn't alive yet. Because you can have a body, but if you don't have a spirit, you have no life. So, so the, the Lord God formed the body, but here comes the life. And he breathed into his nostrils, the Bible says, the breath of life. He breathed the breath of life. Here's, here's what we learned from this. It is, God's, it is God's breath that imparts man's spirit. It is God's breath that imparts, imputes the spirit right into your body. It is the very move. It is the very tangible touch of God. Think about it. Every other animal creature was created by the word, but you were infused with the breath of the creator. And this phrase, breath of life, if you translate it, it's neshama, but in the Greek, it's, it's pneuma. But what it really means is wind and spirit. Wind and spirit. Keep that in mind for later. What God did to initiate life and resiliency is he breathed spirit into mankind. In John 6, verse 63, Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is spirit and it is life. So the spirit is your everlasting, eternal part of you. Well, then the question that we have to ask is, what is the spirit's purpose? Why do we have it? What is its uses? The Bible speaks about this subject. What you have to understand is that it is the spirit within you that connects with God. More than your body, more than your mind, it is the God-breathed spirit he initiated, you reciprocate. It is the spirit within you that connects with the God above you. You could think about it much like 
pairing headphones together. If you ever got, got a new pair of AirPods, what you have to do when you pair them is you got to bring them close to the source that you want it to pair with. you got to open it up, and you have to engage the source, have it talk to each other. When it recognizes each other, the phone can send the signal and be received by the AirPods, and then it identifies. This is Jordan Boyce's AirPods. This is how it works with your spirit. First, you have to draw near to the source of your spirit. But I've got good news for you today. God says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Never once do you move towards God and he moves away. Never once do you ask for God's signal and he doesn't reply with a signal. When you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And I want you to know he will pair his spirit with your spirit and he will identify you as his own. This is my child. The Bible says you were bought with a high price. This is my child. This is my son. This is my daughter. But hear me, you have a part to play in this because you've got to be open. You've got to be searching. You've got to be willing. I mean, you know, you've spoken to people whose spirits are closed to you. In fact, many times their spirit shows itself in the body. They got nothing to say. They're not receiving. When you come to God, you have to be ready to receive. I mean, think about it in terms of football or, or, or basketball. If you are wide open, you, you, you motion to the person, I'm right here. I'm open. This is what you do on Sunday morning. Say, why do they always raise their hands? Because my body is coming into alignment with my spirit, and my spirit is saying to God, I'm right here. I'm open. Will you pair with me? And God will pair with you, and then here comes the signal. Here comes the sound. Here comes the voice of God. Here comes the direction that you can follow. God will always speak, but know this. He speaks to your spirit. He connects with your spirit. The Bible says this in John chapter 4. Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Prepare yourself. We have a lot of verses today. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship how? God has a preference. God's given an order. He's saying, I want you to first come in spirit. Your spirit connecting to God's spirit. In other words, I don't want you to come through moralism. Don't try and come through good works. Don't try and come through jewels or rocks. Don't try and come through your best friend or your parents. You have to come with your own spirit because I'm spirit. And this is how this works. This is how the connection is. And by the way, notice the order. Spirit first, truth second. Truth is the intellect. Truth is the mind. Truth is doctrine. These are good things, but they come after the spirit. I've got to warn you about this because I've seen many Christians that get this order mixed up. And what they become is prideful, arrogant, self-righteous Christians. Because you know the letter of the law, but the letter of the law kills. You don't have the spirit of God. And so you've got the KJV Bible, and it's massive, and it's marked up, and it's from 1864. And you're telling everyone why they're wrong through your bullhorn and on Twitter. But you know what? You don't have the life of God. You don't have the joy of God. You don't have the spirit of God. The spirit first. And then through the spirit, God enlightens your mind. That's called a revelation, where all of a sudden you feel something bubble up from within you. You don't even know where this came from. Almost like it came outside of your mind and popped in like a light bulb going off. What is that? That's the Spirit speaking to you. You might have experienced this phenomenon as you're fasting and praying. It's because you're drawing closer to the Spirit and the signal is getting stronger. 
If you want to worship God, you got to begin with your spirit and then activate your mind. Watchman Nee says in his incredible Christian classic, The Spiritual Man, which we have for sale today if you want it, but I gotta warn you, it's a tough read. It's a, it's a serious read. So I'm asking all the prayer team to go ahead and get through those 700 pages quickly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, it is the, really one of the final words on the spirit. Watchman Nee breaks the spirit down into three parts. He says there's three parts of the spirit. The first is the conscience. The second is it's set for communion. And the, the third is intuition. Three parts of that inner, eternal self. The first is the conscience. It's from your spirit that you discern what's right and what's wrong. More than even what you were taught, more than even what other people do around you, it is your conscience that will say, not that. That's not for you. Not there. Not with them. What is that? It's more than your mind. It's more than your body. It's your conscience. It's the eternal aspect that God has given you to know what is godly and what is ungodly. What is flesh and what is, what is, what is uh, spirit. But also God made your spirit to commune with him. This is the aspect that I've been speaking about. God made it for fellowship with him. This is what Adam and Eve had in the garden was communion. It was spirit to spirit. There was friendship. There was fellowship. There was a connection. This is part of your spirit. But also... God has put within there, deep within there, intuition. I want you to hear me. It's not just Christians that have this. Every person that lives has a spirit. And some people even have these parts of their life somewhat active. They've got a, they've got a, a moral conscience. They've got an intuition. You know moms have some intuition. How can they sense what's going on? I think it's because they have, they have put a lot of uh, investment in the area of their intuition. You know, especially as their kids get older. Like mom maybe can't outrun her teenage son, but she can sense what's going on. Where are you going? Nowhere. No, you're going somewhere. What is that? It's the sense. it, It bypasses your mind, your intuition. You're able to know, yet without doing the cognizant work of processing. It's like you know all at once. This is your instinct. Hear me. This is the purpose, the makeup of your spirit. And God says, I want these three areas of my life, of your life, dedicated to me. Supernatural awakening always starts with the spirit. It starts in and it goes out. It always starts with the spirit. And so what God will do is he'll go and he'll, he'll, he'll begin to try and awaken the embers, fan into flame the embers of truth that are deep within your soul. And maybe you're here and you're searching or you're seeking, you're trying to understand and your conscience has been activated lately or, or your intuition has told you, you need to go find truth. I want you to know that is God awakening your spirit and he's breathing it into life and he's saying, come closer to me. I'm gonna teach you some things. I'm gonna lead you in a certain way. Supernatural awakening does not start in the body and it does not start in the mind. It always starts in your spirit because that's how God speaks. Are you with me so far? Is this too deep for you or you're you, you good? It's a bit conceptual, but it's going to get practical. But we have to understand what the spirit is and what the purpose is to see how it can connect with God. Supernatural awakening always starts with the spirit. See, this is where we find Nicodemus. He was watching God from a far off distance and something started to connect in his heart. He began to sense something. It's like you can sense it during worship or during the word. It's not just the preaching. There's something else going on. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. 
You know what's interesting is his whole group was against God. His whole group was consumed with the letter of the law, truth, but they had missed the spirit. But here's Nicodemus, and he's searching. Why is he searching? Because he's sensing. When he comes to God, he says, surely you must be a man of God, because no one can do these things unless they are connected to God. He's sensing his way towards the Father. If you're here and you are are moving towards God in this way, you'll find Nicodemus as a great representation of you. He's moving towards God with a sense that I know there's more, and I think Jesus holds the key. Now, I want you to notice something. This is very interesting to me. Nicodemus comes at night. The Bible doesn't tell you things unless you need to know them. Nicodemus comes at night. Why? Well, his reputation would probably be ruined. He probably would have stirred up a lot of trouble if everyone else had seen him. They wanted him to hate God, to, um, to defy God, defy Jesus, and yet Nicodemus has to listen to his spirit. So he comes under cover of darkness, and he comes at night. And I think Nicodemus is an amazing representation of humanity because the truth is, after Adam and Eve fell, darkness reigned, and death began to reign. And this is why death and darkness can reign in your body, can reign over your mind, can reign even over your spirit. When Adam and Eve fell, their communion was cut off from God, and now darkness got authority in their life. And so here's Nicodemus, not really knowing the light, not really knowing what to do, but he's coming to the right place. And he says to God, what must I do to be saved? Well, what, explain to me how this all works. I believe that if you are in a place of darkness, the very best place you can go to is to Jesus. If there's darkness over your mind, if there's darkness over your, your, your spirit, Hear me, you've got to come to the source of light. This is what Nicodemus does. And what's amazing about his name is Nicodemus means victory for the people. Nicodemus was representing humanity, saying, God, we're stuck in darkness, but we don't want to live this way. We don't want to endure this way. There's got to be something greater than this. And through this revelation that you must be born again, we get... All right, we're flowing with the punches. We might have to switch out the mic. Don't let it distract you. Key back in. We get John 3:16. This is an amazing moment where God is going to bring the gospel into clarity for the whole world, and he does it in the middle of the night for someone that's covered in darkness. And I want you to please hear me. If you feel like you're under the shroud of confusion, or you feel like you're cut off from communion, maybe you lie in bed at night, you stare at the ceiling, and you say, what is this life all about? You are a man or a woman like Nicodemus, and Jesus will come, and he will manifest himself to you. I believe he can awaken you, and it will not start with your body. You could exercise and eat right, and believe me, I believe that's important. It will not start with your mind. You could read every book and follow every self-help guru. It must start in your spirit. It is the spirit that needs to receive life. (laughs) Hear me, because you can't live with a crushed spirit. Proverbs says a crushed spirit dries up the bones. It begins to eat you from the inside out. If you live with a crushed spirit, a broken spirit for too long, eventually it begins to affect your body. It begins to affect your mind. And you were not created to live in this broken state. You were created to come to the one that can bring renewal to your life. And so maybe you've experienced tragedy. Maybe you've experienced loss. And maybe it's left you bitter and broken. And maybe you've even thought things like, I can't get up. I can't get out of bed. I can't smile. 
I'll never be able to forgive again. Hear me, some people never find their way out of that darkness. Don't let it be you. You know the source of light. You know the source of, of the flame that can be brought back to life. And I want you to know those lies that I will never, they are not from God's spirit. God breathes resilience into you. God brings strength into you. God brings life into you. God makes you be born again. This is Jesus's spiritual solution is a spiritual reset. He doesn't say to Nicodemus, come on, man. See me in the afternoon. Show all your buddies that you're really searching. He doesn't say, pray 10 times to my mom. He doesn't say, bow in the temple. What does he say? He says, you need a reawakening of your spirit. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God because that which is born of flesh will always be flesh. In other words, you can't save yourself. Humanity can't save itself. It's flesh. But hear me, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Only God's spirit can bring life to our spirit. But God's spirit will bring life if you will begin to connect with his spirit. Think of it this way. Every day you unplug your phone from the charger and you go throughout your day. But as you use that phone, the battery begins to drain. It, it, it gets less and less because it's not connected with the source until eventually it goes on to low power mode. The spirit is much like a battery. When you disconnect from the source, it begins to shrink. It begins to, to, to fold up. It's, it's, it's voice of conscience, the more you ignore it, will become less and less. The spirit has to be reconnected to the source. I believe too many of us are living in low power mode with our spirit, just barely getting by, just barely making things happen while the source is right here. And he's saying, will you come back to me? Because I'll regenerate you by my spirit. That is how God works. He regenerates our spirit by his spirit. I can prove, I can prove it. Look at what Jesus did with his disciples. In John chapter 20, the Bible says this, as the Father sent me, Jesus is speaking, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Interesting and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This word breathed is that same word, pneuma. He imparted his spirit onto his disciples. God will not ask you to follow him and serve him without first imparting his spirit onto you and over you. What was Jesus doing? He was reenacting Genesis. Where Adam fell, there was a disconnect, but now God says, I'm here, and I'm the same God, and I got the same breath, and I'm gonna breathe onto you, and you're gonna receive power from on high. Remember when he was commissioning the early disciples, he says, go and wait until you've received power from on high. Don't try and live this life out without the Holy Spirit. Don't try and be a Christian without an active, alive spirit. It's impossible. It will just lead to moralism. It will just lead to pride. You have to have a fresh infilling, a fresh infusing of the Holy Spirit. And we see in the book of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, here's the church. They were all together in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. There's the word again. And what happened? What did that wind bring? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Hear me, it's not just for the disciples to receive the breath, it's for the church to receive the breath. And God wants to come and breathe on you again, breathe on the embers of your heart again, breathe over your body, breathe over your mind, but breathe into the very depths of your soul and awaken it, make it alive Make it renewed in the mighty name of Jesus. This is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And baptism means full immersion. You don't just get a little bit of water sprinkled on you. You need to go deep all the way under the water. And this is what God did when he baptized his people. It wasn't a little bit of spirit. It was a Niagara Falls of spirit that came over his people. And this is why we say, fill us, Lord. This isn't just a one-time event. I need to be recharged. I need to be regenerated. I need to be made clean. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your spirit. Immerse me again. Baptize me again. Because my spirit needs to be strong again. You need the breath of God. You've heard it said, that person's full of themselves. Or that person's full of ideas. I pray we are full of God's spirit. I pray we're not full of pride, but we're full of the power of God. Without God, our spirit is non-responsive. Much like a body that's non-responsive, what it would re require in a moment of, of, of tragedy, it would require resuscitation. If the body stops responding, there needs to be resuscitation. So you see someone go mouth to mouth to breathe into someone's body to stimulate their respiration. This is what your spirit requires. It, re it requires divine resuscitation that God begins to breathe on you and in you again. I want you to know this is why you leave church feeling the way you do. Say, I feel lighter. I feel like I can breathe for the first time. You do because you receive the breath. This is how it works. I hope I'm just putting language to the things that you've sensed. This is how it works. And God wants to walk you deeper into relationship with his spirit. But here's the good news. God doesn't just regenerate your spirit. He doesn't just recharge your spirit. God makes your spirit resilient. He makes it strong again. He makes it enduring again. He makes it durable again. I want you to know God will make your spirit adaptable again. You will face troubles, but you have an adaptable spirit. God will make your spirit pure again. He will clean it and cleanse it and wash it again. God will make your spirit healthy again. I can even sense that some people might say, well, you don't know. The things I've done have become so internalized. I've internalized failure. I've internalized grief. I've internalized anger. Hear me, those spirits aren't from the Holy Spirit. God wants to come to give you his spirit and his spirit is resilient, that you will bounce back from some things, that you will move forward in life. Because I want you to hear me, you serve a resilient God. We see this resilience in the works of Jesus. Think about what Jesus said, his final words on the cross. When he was hanging there, brutalized and tortured, he spoke these words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. But we know that three days later, when the disciples visited his grave, they expected death, but they found life. And the angel said to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? 
He is not here. He is risen. God resurrected because God is resilient. The resurrection is the assurance of the spirit that you have on the inside of you. The same power that conquered the grave lives in you. The same power that brought Jesus to life lives in you. The same power is your promise. Resilience is your promise because of the resurrection. So if Jesus could get back up out of that grave, so can you stand back up out of your circumstances. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but the choice to live and lay in darkness is not a God given given choice. God's breathing to you right now, and he's saying, get back up, my son. Get back up, my daughter. You may face difficult things this year. It's true. You might see the inside of a hospital room. You might lose your job. You might go through difficulty with your children. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. There are going to be difficult things, but the spirit that resides in you is greater than the things in the world. It is a resilient spirit. It is a spirit of power. It is a spirit of strength. Hear me, resilient spirit has hope. resilient spirit looks towards the future. I can't look towards the future because the last two years have been so terrible. I got it. But even in the midst of tragedy, you can rise. Even in the midst of difficulty, you can overcome. I'm not going to decide my future based on my past. And I'm not going to wait for people to tell me what kind of life I can live. I've got a resilient spirit on the inside of me. It's bubbling up from the inside of me. I'm looking to the future with excitement. I pray I've got vision in my eyes. I pray there's strength in my heart. I pray my feet run towards the gospel. I pray that the Lord Jesus sees me, hears me, anoints me. Come on, we're not dead yet. In fact, our body may die, but our spirit is resilient. It is your spirit that will see heaven. It is your spirit that will commune with God. It is your spirit that will outlast you. That's why Christians can rejoice even at funerals. We're the only people that can rejoice at a funeral, not because it's not sad, not because there's not grief, but that there's the spirit of God in the place. Say it with Paul. 2 Corinthians 4. He says this, we are hard-pressed, On every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed. We don't understand it all. Things get frustrating, but we are not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. We are not destroyed in the name of Jesus. This is what God can breathe into you. You say, I could never say these words. No, you can You need the Spirit of God on the inside of you. So you might say at this moment, how do I receive the Spirit of God? How do I invite Him in? How do I grasp this Spirit? There's three very simple points. It first starts with asking. Simply ask. Ask for the Spirit of God. Isn't it so simple? You think we should move on. But every time you ask, God answers. Hear me. Simply ask. And ask again, and ask again, and ask again. Jesus says this, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God says, I'm right here, and I'm waiting. Early in the morning, ask. Before you go to bed, ask. Before you go into a difficult meeting or a, or a, 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 
conversation, which you don't know which way it's going to go, ask, God, put your spirit in my spirit. Regenerate me right now. Give me resilience. How do you receive God's spirit? You need to ask. And if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it starts with asking. I desire the Holy Spirit. I desire the Holy Spirit. God will answer that. I think about Paul when he says, I speak in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit at all times. I'm constantly staying in the presence. If you ask, God will deliver. And the second way, second step to receiving the Holy Spirit is to stay in the Spirit. To stay in the Spirit. The past week we've been praying at 6 a.m., an incredible sacrifice to everyone that came out. And how we start every prayer time is with 10 minutes. No speaking, no talking. We just sit there and we have the music flowing and we call it soaking in the presence. We're just soaking in the presence. What are we doing? We're staying in the, in the, in the spirit. We're, we're resting in the, in the spirit. And God is regenerating us when we do this. And I, I've realized that it's easier to get into his presence when I stay in his presence. If I, if I ignore it for too long, if I move away for it for too long, it's a difficult process to come back into the holy of holies. <clears throat> but if you don't stay, but if you stay close, God will stay close to you. Stay in the spirit. Soak in his presence. Just like a mind that's unchallenged decays or a body that unexercised degrades, your spirit will begin to shrink if it doesn't stay connected to God. You need to exercise your spirit. How do you do this? Through prayer, through the word. In moments of of corporate worship, coming on Sunday, it begins to activate your spirit. My hope is that we are people that learn the rhythms of the presence of God and we give it value and priority in our life. The third way to receive God's spirit is to stick with spirit-led people. Stick with spirit-led people. I, I do not think you can overestimate the impact of other people on who you are. Stick with spirit-led people. Stick with spirit-led content. Because I want you to understand, your spirit is like a sponge. It will begin to absorb whatever is around it. So if you are around people that have a spirit of anger, you're going to become angry. If you're around people that have a spirit of fear, you're going to become fearful and nervous, and agitated, and anxious. If you're around people that have no faith, no hope, pretty soon you're not gonna, you're not gonna speak with faith and hope either. You gotta get around people that keep your spirit on fire. Did not our hearts burn within us when he opened the scriptures to us? When they walked with Jesus, their hearts began to alight. As iron sharpens iron, so brothers and sisters sharpen each other when they're close. And when they're connected, some of the closest people in your life, they have to be Christians, not because of a legalistic thing, not because of some weird, you know, cult cut everybody out of your life thing. No, but because the most important aspect of you has to stay alive. It has to stay healthy. It has to stay filled. It has to stay in worship. I got to tell you, I can listen to other music and, and that's all good. And I think there's some music you shouldn't because you don't want the spirit of that artist on you. But I can listen to secular music. But if I go too long, I can feel it in my spirit. I'm going to watch it. It's the most important aspect of me. Just like you would watch what you eat because you don't want your body to decay. Just like you would keep challenging your mind. So the spirit has to be watched 
guarded, connected. Think about the disciples. God could have chosen just one, but he chose a group. And he says, you're going to challenge each other. You're going to help each other. You're going to live together. You're going to die together. He chose a group. And those 12 literally changed the course of human history. you got to get a good crew. In two weeks, we're launching crews. Why do we do it? So you can get around some spirit people. You can laugh. That you can be filled with joy. That you can put it as a high priority in your life. And even the, the night of crew, you might say, I don't feel like going. That's not your spirit. That's your soul. That's your flesh. You need to have your body and your mind aligned with the spirit. Do you remember when Jesus was, was, uh, was praying and he asked the disciples to say and watch and pray with him? Then he comes back and he finds them asleep. You remember what he said? He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, your body can't do what your spirit wants to do. What do we have to do? We have to work at bringing those things into alignment. I want my body and my mind to be aligned for my spirit so like a, a fresh spring, the water can begin to cleanse all aspects of who we are. Can you say amen? amen. Stick with spirit-led people. And all of the sudden, things are going to begin to change in your eternal soul. If you're a Christian, today I would encourage you Book of Romans says to put the deeds of the flesh to death and to go after the deeds of the spirit. I would encourage you to make your spirit high priority on your list. Make it high priority in your schedule. I would encourage you to come soak every Sunday down at the altar in the spirit. People come down to the altar when they're in crisis, but I want you to know people also come down to the altar just because they, they just want a like-minded saint to agree in prayer. Maybe it's been one, two, three years for you to come to the altar. I pray you come this Sunday. I pray every Sunday our altar is filled. Every Sunday our altar is filled and people are connecting with God. After, after Sunday, we, we play worship like this after we release. And, and I, 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 I'm sure you have things to do and that's awesome. But if you ever want to stay and soak, the worship's just like this. You can just stay and, and let your spirit be refilled, recharged, regenerated. I pray we are a church filled with Christians that love and know and receive the Spirit. And if you're here and you've never made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, that's the very first step of receiving life in this Spirit. Salvation is when your Spirit receives life. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation brings life to your Spirit. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.